everybody. It's Kobe. It's Kyle. And welcome back to the Healing Circle podcast. It's Kyle. I'm I'm Kyle. It's I a- am Kyle, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who you am are I? Kyle. You are Kyle. You're Kyle. Okay. Um welcome back you guys. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Um we are continuing Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We got to talk about the inner circle first. Oh my god. <laughs> see, see what I did? Yes, I see, do. See that wasn't planned, y'all. You, uh, no, it wasn't. She was looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the inner circle, better known as, well, the inner the circle. circle. <laughs> yeah, there is no better known as. Um, I want to shout out uh, those that are um, associated with our Patreon, the inner circle. They are so dope. Even yeah. right now, we are in a Discord group talking about some real stuff, praying yeah. for each, each other over some things that we're, we're hoping for God to do. Yeah. And that is what you're getting. Um, beyond the extra episodes, the bonus episodes, which you, you're you definitely going to want to hear the ones we're doing on Family Roles and yeah. This Is Us. Yeah. Um, beyond the live Q&As, beyond the discounts on awesome merch, yeah. you're getting a community of like-minded people that are serious about their healing and yeah. bringing that healing before God. Yeah, absolutely. And they're just, they're amazing. So shout out to you guys. You guys hold us down. Yep. Honestly, if no one listened to our podcast but the people who are in our Patreon, I would be okay. I would still, yeah, I would keep doing it. Yeah. Just for y'all. They, they matter that much to us. So if you want to join a community of like-minded people, join our Patreon. Visit the link in our show notes and you can get it popping. And if you join the Patreon, your skin will clear up. Facts. It makes your skin clearer. And you'll magically start minding your business. I haven't had a pimple since we started it. Is that true? I don't know. What? So you're just lying to me. Well, <laughs> now they know. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, you guys, we are continuing our series on family systems, talking about dysfunctional family roles. Um, we had two amazing podcasts previous to this. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to them. We talked about the family hero. We talked about... Um, the family scapegoat and today we are kind of doing a mashup where we're going to talk about the last child and we're also going to talk about the um, mascot yeah the family mascot so we are excited to share with you guys today and we're going to dive right in because you we're really passionate about this um and we're long-winded yes. <laughs> so yeah. we are trying to cut the episodes down it's not make it crazy it's my long fault. sorry guys it's mine too because i'm always like one more thing so let's jump right into it so um, in the family system, again, there's the hero, there's the scapegoat, but there's also the lost child. So the lost child in the family system refers to a person in the family who is often ignored, quiet, and feels and seems invisible. So when I say feels and seems invisible, that's important because they're the person where when the family's like, where's so-and-so? Everyone's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so to the family system, they seem invisible, but that person also experiences feeling invisible. Yeah. Right. And that matters because sometimes we can feel invisible and have all the intention in the world. Yeah. But yep. honestly, for the lost child, their inner experience is reflective of an outward reality. And that's really important for us to remember. Um, this person is someone who has a low sense of identity, um, low sense of self, low sense of worth. Um, and it's really sad, but like in the family system, no one really expects much of this person. Right. Yeah. So they're the kind of person that it's like, you know, maybe the hero is like, you need to get all A's and the scapegoat is like, you just need to stay out of trouble. And then the lost <laughs> child is like, thanks for being here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, thanks for being here. We, we appreciate your presence. Right. And so they often are also the people who feel like they're never pushed to succeed. Right. Because they feel because they're unseen by the family and feel unseen. No one knows their potential. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one knows it but them. And so the, the family is often surprised by yep. what they turn into when they leave the system. Yep. Yeah. The family's like, what? You're really this person? You're outspoken. You you do this. You're interested in this. You're top of your class in this. You you excel in this. And the family's confused because they're like, we just we just yeah. appreciate you being here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Just- you know, you kept breathing and the world kept turning. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, and when you think about um, this person and the value that they add to the family, um, because each role is a role that adds value to the family, they are somebody who is 
providing um, relief for the family. You know, they are somebody who it's like, whew, we're dealing with this person who's strong personality. We're dealing with that person who's strong personality. Again, yep. thank you for just being here. Yeah, <laughs> you thank know? you for not rocking the boat. Yep. Just... Not starting any turmoil. Yeah, just existing. They are the safe place to just be. I yeah. mean, the, which is where that sort of non-existence, that feeling of being invisible comes in. They're yeah. not... Not only are they expected to not add very much to the to the system, they're almost demonized if they do. Yeah. They're, it's like you're supposed to be the easy child. Yeah. It's like, we got to deal with you too. Yeah. Like, I'm already fighting with one sibling. Like, can, can you and I just, like, be okay? Like, can it not be a thing? And so they almost, they almost have this way in which they're almost, um, they are forced into a place where th- where they don't get to have a personality and they don't yeah. get to be a real person. They're, they're a yeah. caricature of a blank slate. Yes. In the family system. In the family system. Outside the family system, they have a whole life, right? Yep. And so it's almost like the lost child is this person in the family who feels like everyone else is taking up too much space. Yep. Um, and so they just try to find space elsewhere, right? So this also might be the person who has a completely... Um, present may not be completely functional but completely present family but kind of adopts themselves into other people's families yeah you yep. know who's yep. constantly over at somebody else's house and it's like this is my family yeah or this person's like a mom to me this person's like a sister to me like they're always sleeping over um if they can because my parents would never <laughs> would never <laughs> what okay? is it about black parents not like sleepovers uh, they just do not rock with them they do not rock with them okay <laughs> um <laughs> but they're the person always sleeping over at someone's house and really becoming a part of this family because this family system um, may not have a hero, right? Yeah. This family system. And oftentimes they can insert themselves of the as a hero of a different person's family yep. um, because there's a lack of responsibility. They can always leave when things get hard. Facts. Right. And so yeah. it's like you'll find someone say, oh, I love this person there. We love this, this person, someone who's like a part of our family. We love them, you know. Um, and so they're oftentimes trying to um, find a space, but they just feel like their home is not a space for them. Yeah. Um, They've been squeezed out. There's just not room for them there. And even though this seems like it may be something that applies specifically to families that have multiple children this can apply to only children too if there are two parents who are really outgoing or two like if a a hero's married to a scapegoat like Mm -hmm. they can be the kid can feel like dang mom and dad y'all are a lot i don't even have space here yeah right if the parents are always at odds with each other always Mm -hmm. trying to deal with the back and forth of what the hero and the scapegoat or always trying to use them as leverage between the two where it's like you know what i don't want to be leverage Mm -hmm. i I'm just going to leave. Yes, I'm going to withdraw. Yeah. I'm going to withdraw. Yep. So on the outside, the person who is um, a scapegoat. A lost child. Wow. Thank you. A lost child is someone who has frozen feelings, right? Mm. So they also might be someone who's experienced childhood trauma. Got it. They might be someone who experienced childhood trauma and by nature of them being unable to process that trauma, shut down. Yeah. And then their shutting down is validated by the system. Yeah. So they're never... they're easy, so mm-hmm. they don't have to be... Yep. And so they're... They energy. Yep. Yep. And so they're never incentivized to heal by the family system mm. because if they healed, then they would, you know, awaken this emotional reality that would disturb the system of the family. Yeah. That's... You know? Man, that's real life. That is real life, right? And so oftentimes they feel lost and misunderstood because parents see their quietness or their withdrawnness as goodness, right? Um, and they're saying, my withdrawnness is a cry for help. Yeah. You know, my quietness is space for you to inquire, space for you to come talk to me, right? Um, and as an adult, the lost child, they can feel... Um, frustrated with the lack of connection they feel with people Mm -hmm. and so they can turn to material items this is the person who needs to have the new jordans needs to have the new iphone who needs to keep up appearances externally um or they can turn inwards like towards hobbies writing singing whatever that is they kind of find companionship in things or activities yeah right um 
so also the lost child is someone who might have like emotional I would say there's someone who's prone to developing a personality disorder. Okay. Because a lot of the things developmentally that they needed to, to experience, the type of nurturing, connection, intimacy, problem-solving, conflict yeah. resolution that they were meant to begin learning as children, um, they miss out on that. Yeah. And so they grow up. Um, if they don't experience healing in, you know, in enough time, you know, if you're stuck in your family as the lost child to your 35, you might struggle with having personality disorders, right? Um, and not saying this is what everyone has. I think everyone in this system um, is prone to personality disorder in some way, but there is a real, like our brains are social organs. There is a yeah. real neurological and biological implication for social withdrawing. Yep. And for people who are lost children in their families, it can be hard to adjust to the real world where they're meant they're meant to withdraw. Yeah. If they're not the person who went out to find social interaction somewhere else, like we mm-hmm. just referenced before, and there is someone who is just withdrawn and had no emotional outlet or social outlet, it's a place where they can rather they can get to a place where they never develop the skills to function in society yeah. properly. They're, they're socially stunted. In a way that's... Yeah. yeah. And emotionally centered, right? And that can turn into learning disabilities. Um, you know, that can turn into poor self-awareness. Um, and it's really someone who who needs to be seen. Yeah. And not just emotionally needs to be seen, like they want to be seen. But there is an aspect to just our reality as human beings. Like human beings, fundamentally... They want a very few things. One of those core things they desire is to be witnessed. You'll notice, like, I don't know if you if this has ever happened to you, but I used to, like, be sad or crying or whatever when I was really young, and I'd go look at myself in the mirror just to see, like, <laughs> dang, bro, I'm really crying. Is right? this what I look like? <laughs> and and part of that is that just, like, me, I don't, boy. but I know some of y'all did it too. Yeah. If not all of y'all. And and part of it is there is this reality that like we as humans we suffer and what we want just as much as our suffering ending is for our suffering to be seen and witnessed. Yeah. If if no one else is seeing it, we will at least try to make sure that we ourselves are seeing it. That that kid going to the mirror to watch themselves cry is kind of dramatic. But it's also acting out a larger reality that humans desire their suffering to be seen and witnessed. So when this lost child lives a life where they are simply not witnessed, they're they're missing out on a crucial component of what it means to be human. Yes. So they they interact with the world as adults, if this is hasn't been addressed, in a way that seems almost inhuman and can be really annoying to people who are um, more socially graced and, and privileged yeah. and all these things, but they are dealing with a real issue that they had no part in yeah. that if it had happened to any one of us, we, we would be the same way, right? Yep. So, yep. again, this whole series is about trying to build empathy and charity for the people around us and yeah. understand that all of us have a context that's real and that context isn't just a, a poor backstory that yeah. you have to get out of people's way so you can finally get them to act like real adults. It's a yeah. real thing that affects them. Yeah, and this is this is how we tangibly learn how to love our neighbor. Mm. Amen. You know, we don't get to love our neighbor if we don't understand them. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it hard to love the people that we were raised with and the people that we share life with. Because the reality is we can get really frustrated with the things that they do and think that they're just character flaws. Like, what's wrong with you? Right. (laughs) And it's like, like, we've all thought that we've all looked at someone and been like, what is wrong with you? You know, and looked at them as if they'd chosen this life of inferiority to us. Yep. Right. And the reality is there's a lack of empathy on our part and a lack of understanding, which leads to the lack of empathy. And this is how we develop empathy. This is how we develop understanding so that we can tangibly love our neighbors. Um, So when you look at the lost child and the wall of defenses, the wall that they kind of have around their hearts, um, especially when it comes to the way that they express themselves in the world, this is really important for parents, um, for everybody, but for parents specifically. Um, I've noticed in parenting, we often reward 
withdrawing as a type of maturity. Yeah. If a kid is really independent, it's like, man, they're really mature for their age. And it's like, no, kids are supposed to connect a ton. Yeah. Like, if your kid is leaving you alone, it might make you feel good for the moment, but you might be headed for some issues, (laughs) you know, when they get to um, adolescence, when they get to young adulthood, right? And so what happens is on the inside, the lost child is insecure, they're lonely, they're confused, right? But on the outside, they look super independent, right? They look like they're aloof. They look like they're mature, more mature than they actually are, Yeah. right? They're good at following. And so they validate, you know, somebody else's, um, sometimes our own agendas, Yeah. right? Because who doesn't want to be followed, <laughs> right? And so there's someone who wants to follow, someone who doesn't want to be in the front. And so we can look at them as someone who is mature and wow, they're just ahead of their years. They've got it together. And that feeds into, yep. especially the family system saying, oh, they don't need anything from us. They've got it figured out. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it is this like, it's this feedback loop mm-hmm. where they haven't been witnessed. They're forced to pretend a maturity they don't have and then that maturity i should have said maturity but okay it is what it is um but that maturity that they um that they are pretending to have makes the family unit believe that they don't need anything else and because every family unit is always constantly fighting for resources this is a safe place to not put resources yeah because they're needed elsewhere there's a fire over here we're not sure what's going on, but at least it's not a fire. It it'll it'll be fine. It'll yeah, work itself out. Okay. But it doesn't work itself out. Yeah, and so we can we speaking about parents can or even other siblings can feel like we don't need to check up on these people, and yep. they really need to be checked up, checked up on the most. Same yeah. with friendships. Yep, they can be like, I've never had an argument with this friend in my entire life. I've never had a issue or a tiff with this fr- person in my entire life. So I'm like, we're good. And it's like, no, that person <laughs> needs to be checked up on. Yeah. Right. And that's, I think it's a perfect encapsulation of the phrase, check on your strong friend. Yep. One check on all your friends. But I think that there's a reason why when people embody a sense of strength, we think that we need to apply less resources mm-hmm. to them. Right. And, and that's not necessarily the case. Right. So the dysfunction for, the person who is the lost child is like they n- rarely feel needed, right? Yeah. They rarely feel useful. They rarely feel a sense of purpose um, because our purpose is always interconnected with our humanity. Come on. Period. You're about you about know? to preach. Take up offering. <laughs> no. My cash app is soup for the soul. Is it really? It is. Why didn't you just make it Kyle Campbell? Because Campbell's soup. I used to sing oh, okay, in okay. chorus. Okay. Do re mi fa so. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah, yeah, Anyways. Yeah. Um, right. And so what happens when someone feels unneeded and like there's no sense of purpose? Well, they're prone to situations like suicide ideations. Yeah. They're prone to attempt suicide. Right. And this is this is the like the definition of the person that people are surprised kills himself. Yeah. We're like, they are so strong. They're so they're so present. They're faithful. They came to church every single Sunday. It's like, but anyone talk to them when they came to church? Yeah. Did anyone invite them out to eat? Yeah. Right? Um, And with our friends, like, it's important for the heroes, for the scapegoats, for, you know, um, people in other situations to not take advantage of these people because it's easy to. And when I say take advantage, I don't mean, like, you're beating them with a stick and (laughs) dragging them around with a leash. Yeah. But, like, I'm talking about it can be easy to constantly bring our stuff to these people because they're willing to listen and they're willing to take on our burden because it gives them a sense of purpose, not realizing that they can't even carry their own burden. Right? And so we are weighing something on them that they can't truly deal with and they don't have a capacity to process, which can lead them to experience all the things that I mentioned before. Right? Yeah. But, like always... But, God. There's This hope. is where we play the organ. There's a, there's an old lady <laughs> with, a, with a wig that's about to come off, shouting in the back. I don't know why I envisioned that. She's wearing a white dress. Oh, she with sure the, is. With white kitten heels. She got gloves, but she didn't wear them. <laughs> no, no, she took them off. She, she took, took them, them off, off to she, shout. Yeah, she took them off when she's about to shout. Um, There's hope. Right. There's hope for each person who's experienced hardship in um, these areas, hardship in being the lost child. Right. So when you look at the lost child, the lost child 
the hope is that they get to come into themselves as someone who is soft-spoken but also wise. Yeah. Right? Because their position as someone who's withdrawn gives them opportunity to observe and then also gives them opportunity to process. Right? So they can learn how to appropriately express emotions because they have the ability to process them, the time, the the resources, hopefully. Right? Um, there are people who are valuable at solving problems. Yeah. Right? Because they've been able to think things through thoroughly. Right? There are people who listen before they speak. There are people who can be creative because of the hobbies that they pour into. Right? And they can learn to be connected to other people and gain a healthy sense of self-esteem that is not dependent on what other people think about them. Yeah. Right? Like, them being the most withdrawn people gives them the opportunity to become some of the most self-assured people. Mm. Right? But they need connection for that. And I think that's where the gap is. Yep. So, um, we've been talking about these different family roles and, um, you know, how can how they are and then how they can become dysfunctional. We we spoke about the hero. We spoke about the scapegoat as like these almost two sides, the same coin, almost these polar op- opposites. And so the next two, um, we just finished talking about the lost child. And the lost child is actually, they're probably closer to a scapegoat than to a hero. Yeah. Um, oh, let me say something really quick yeah. before we move on. So for the lost child, when they leave the family system, the difficult part is that they're often not missed. Mm. That is where trauma comes in. Yeah. And so it can be easy for them to also find themselves in abusive relationships because the hyper attention of someone who is abusive reminds them that they're missed. Wow. The yeah. hyper control of someone who's watching their every move, who sees them in a way that is like literally polar opposite of how they were unseen, can feel like this corrective emotional experience, but it, it goes a little too far. Dang. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, the devil is booked and busy, y'all. Booked and busy, and he got the mug, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. That's I'm crazy. You. Um, And it makes so much sense when you say it. Like, it all fits so perfectly. Um <laughs> Yeah, it it all fits so perfectly. It makes so much sense why that sort of person might find themselves in a relationship like that and Mm -hmm. not realize it's abusive until it trips a line, you know, until it goes, quote unquote, too Too far. far. Yep. Um, Or until they start healing. Yeah. Right. And when you think about, you know, we talked about with the other ones, what happens when this person starts healing? Well, what happens when the lost child starts healing and starts speaking up mm-hmm. is they can experience hostility. Yep. Right? And in a family that is healing, they can also experience acceptance. That's the hope. Yeah. Right? And excitement that they're participating. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But also, it can bring up this hostility of like, our resources are already perfectly allotted. We've already distributed them evenly for the yeah. last 15 years. We don't have any more for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah, that that's so true. And so there's four roles. I mean, there's more. You could go deeper and split it down into more and more hairs. And this system of thinking has been adapted dozens and dozens of times. But this is kind of the most foundational one. And we've talked about three of them. And if you're looking at it almost like a line, on the far left is your, your family hero. Mm. Um, on the far right, the opposite end of the spectrum is your scapegoat. And towards the scapegoat, you're going to find your lost child. There's a reason we're doing lost child and the mascot in the same episode when the other two got their own. It's not because these roles don't deserve their own episode, but it, it really has more to do with it's hard to find a lost child that hasn't experienced moments of being a scapegoat. It's yeah. hard to find a mascot, which we'll talk a little bit more about, that has an experience, also some moments of, of playing the hero, right? All yeah. these roles are fluid, um, but they're going to be, they, they're going to trend in one direction. Yeah. And so... They're static in seasons. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so it's not like one day you're going to be a hero, one day you're going to be a scapegoat, one day you're going to be a lost child. They're yeah. static in seasons. You might see in the moment of a divorce you know, that something change. Yeah. You know, in the moment of a death, in the moment of, uh, you know, even something as simple as, like, your parents not being people of faith and then your parents becoming people of faith. Yep. You know, whatever yep. it is, like, 
something changes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and so these other two roles, I mean, they, they really matter. They they have their own sort of idiosyncrasies. Um, but we're putting them together because we feel like we we've hopefully given a lot of depth on the polar opposite ends and these are the roles that really truly have some nuance yeah. um, more nuance than the other ones and and they're going to be easier to find in peace and harder to find someone who fits exactly every single thing that we we talk about yeah so now we're going to talk about the clown or the mascot mascot is is probably a kinder way to say it but yeah. clown gives you probably a better sense of what we're talking about. So the the clown or the mascot is just what it sounds like. This is a person who's probably funny, goofy, often seen as immature, and they'll do anything for a laugh. Yeah. Uh, the clown role is often frowned upon in school settings, so, you know, the class clown. Yeah. Um, by teachers, but they can also be really popular with people. Yeah. Um, their peers, or they can also be, like, really annoying to their peers <laughs> yeah, because like, they're such a disruptive funny. force. Like, yeah. okay, bro, we get it. You had a joke. Like, you don't have to say it another 19 times. Yeah. Um, so on the outside, the mascot, the clown, what's really going on is they're continuously hiding their pain with humor. Yeah. And they can really feel inadequate. Uh, they're, they're seldom taken seriously or respected because of all the joking, because of all the humor. They're, they're almost put into this place where they are perpetually seen as children. Yeah. Um, and the family can sometimes promote this role as a way to avoid tough issues. Mm. Right? So, so you've got the person in the family who fits this role, and in times of strife, rather than dealing with the elephant in the room, this person makes a joke. Yeah. And... While what's most responsible for healing is to discard the joke and get back to the topic at hand, they allow this this mascot or this clown to make a joke to deflect from the seriousness of the situation and move beyond that moment. And so the, mm. the clown or the mascot, they oftentimes have this really pivotal, pivotal role mm. in, in maintaining the status quo of a family unit. Because they are the ones that smooth things over. They're the ones that are there to make sure that nothing gets too deep or too uncomfortable or too painful. Yeah. Um, and so they, they do that by just kind of providing this, this comic relief. But, um, you know, their role is to provide fun and humor, but there's, there's some dysfunction that can come alongside that. Hmm. So what does it look like when the mascot or the clown is operating in dysfunction? Well, they have an internal pain that's real. Yeah. So that's what it it starts from. You'll notice if you have ever heard a documentary from any comedian, almost every comedian that's famous has a really dark past. Yep. A really traumatic thing that essentially the world put them in, in a situation where they had to choose between laughing or crying. Yeah. And they said, I'm not going to cry again because crying feels like, a, like, yeah. When you cry, mm. you feel like a victim. When you laugh, you feel like a victor. You yeah. know, you feel like you've overcome something, even if you haven't. And you get to control other people's reactions. Yep. Right. Cause it, when you feel most vulnerable, it gives you a sense of control. Cause it's like, Oh, I, I know how to change the entire narrative of what's going on right now. Yep. I'm going to tell a joke. <laughs> you know and it's like i'm gonna tell a joke and everyone's gonna stop being sad because sadness makes me uncomfortable yeah yeah and you know this is this role is typically the response to some sort of deep pain yeah um and actually because of this covering of a real traumatic pain mascots are they're prone to becoming depressed yeah. They can be burdened with, with depression because they've spent so much time not feeling and instead making the joke so that things don't have to be felt. Um, and they can feel pressured to always cover up other people's pain too because that is where they feel like they have real value. That's where they can add into the system in a way that remi that doesn't remind them of whatever made them this way. It doesn't mm. remind them of their trauma or their pain. So they enter into into painful narratives 
and rather, again, dealing with it in a healthy way, they deal with it in the way that has brought them a small measure of peace. Yep. They make a joke. Yep. So this is the person that is always towing the line of, like, what's appropriate in the room. They're the person most likely to make a joke at a funeral. Yeah. And they may, very well may get people to laugh. Yeah. But they're also the person most likely to make it and it not land because they're trying to force humor into a situation mm. that just does not it's just not funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so they're using their humor as a way to try and insulate themselves from all the pain that the world has for them. And obviously, um, we all know that that doesn't really seem to work. So on the inside, they've got these feelings of fear, insecurity, loneliness, confusion. But on the outside... They're the person that's always getting the attention or at mm. least trying to get attention. Yeah, they're the person who at somebody's engagement or wedding is going to try and go too far, not just by telling the joke, by even by their action. Yeah. The person who's going to get really drunk, the person who's going to, you know, yep. take their shirt off and start twirling around. Because also I think the core of someone who is a mascot is also they're insecure, yep. right? And so they're avoiding hard emotions but also trying to garner this favor with people in an artificial way that makes them feel less insecure. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes that insecurity is flared up when someone else's accomplishments, somebody else's, um, you know, positive regard is being on display, is, is on display. Yeah. And so they can kind of try to, you know, steal the moment, for lack of better terms. Yeah, no, that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah. And... And beyond that, so it's not always just the funny, funny person. There are mascots that really aren't comedians. Yeah. Um, mascots can also look like the person who is, and I'm putting quotes around this, super cute. Yeah. They they kind of become a caricature um, that everyone in the family unit or in the world around them looks at them and says, "Ah, like ah, yeah. like they're just so." cute like why would anybody ever want to be mean to them or yeah. challenge them yeah. or call them to be more than what they are or hold them accountable mm. they wrap themselves in traits that make themselves seem childlike yep. so that they can get all the benefits of childhood i.e the you know the the soft hands and people caring about your boo-boos and crying and trying to make you feel better yeah. but they carry that into adulthood because it makes them safe and it makes them feel safe. Yeah. So it's it's not just, you know, the class clown. It's oftentimes that person that is super cute or or almost maybe an, another way to put it is to say like the family pet. Yeah. The person everyone kind of takes care of. They feed them and they water them and they take them out. And when they need attention, they get attention. But yep. they're also the person that'll come and sit on your lap when you're sad. And yeah. they're also the person that'll, you know, make you feel better when you're down. And they're there yep. for you. As long as you're petting them and feeding them and they're good to you, they're going to make you feel better about yourself. And they make yeah. you feel like you're taking care of them, mm -hmm. even if they're 40. Yeah. Yep. And oftentimes the mascot can become someone who in specific situations can become very hostile towards people who clearly communicate their needs mm. because their entire yeah. identity revolves around indirect communication. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they can they feel like they need to be cutesy or they need to be, you know, um, I, I personally feel like a lot of men really a lot of men and women like when you think about the mascot it doesn't come to mind immediately but the the daddy's girl and the mama's boy yeah right that's the person who is like i am mommy's pet i am daddy's pet whatever yeah. they need from me i will i will suspend reality to make them feel better i will suspend yep. my own values to make them feel better and so when someone who is experiencing healing or have exp has experienced healing comes in and communicates boundaries or communicates needs yep. in a clear way, the mascot is someone who may, in a situation, guilt you for being clear about your needs mm. or they might be someone who perceives you as selfish yeah. for wanting to take care of your own needs yeah. because their role is about service as well. Yeah, and, and these folks, they tend to be followers yeah. in the sense and i don't mean follower as a demeaning term the our society has tried to make it seem if you're not an entrepreneur you're not a real Human. adult or something yeah. i'm not an entrepreneur i well i guess technically i am now right but now. i have no like that's not a thing i really want to do 
And I feel like I'm still a cool person, even if I don't like want to own my own 17 businesses, right? So I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being a follower, but this, the mascot is the person that tends to find themselves following yeah. in the sense of they are looking for people to set the tone of their life. Yeah. They're looking for someone else to tell them the career path. They're looking for someone else to tell them what the relationship should look like. They're looking for someone else to be and do, uh, to be to be their compass. And it's yeah. not always um, this self-serving thing. It, again, is about, it's about safety. Yeah. It's about the idea that so much of their life, they have not been asked of anything. So now if they leave the family system, they don't have the skill set. They don't have the all the tools needed to actually move forward without support because they have been treated like children or they've always just had a joke or something to cover it up. And then the real world comes along and very often the real world does not laugh the way your family does. And they don't laugh the way your classroom does. They care about other things. And so it can be a really lonely experience for the mascot to leave the family unit because they're in a world that cares nothing for their value as the family pet. The family pet is only valuable to that family. Yeah. If it's on if a dog's on the street, it's just a dog on the street. It's yeah. not your dog. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So this is a person that their their reality sorry my voice cracked. I'm only fourteen. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna go to jail. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, that's how that terrible. works. You you shouldn't be touching me like that. Oh my so, God. So um but as just like what just happened. So I, um, I've found roles in my life where I've been like the family hero. And if I have a secondary role, it's always been the comedian, the mascot. Yep. I do my best to deflect with humor and jokes. Sometimes I, I don't even mean to do it, it but just re- it just happens. And sometimes I'm not even meaning to be funny and people think I'm I'm joking and I'm actually trying to be serious. Yeah. So because I feel and so I end up feeling misunderstood because yes. I've communicated in a way so long the people around me don't even know how to interact with me yeah. if I'm not being those things. Yep. Yep. So and I, I can resonate with all the things in here, um, because my comedy comes from my trauma i wasn't a very jokey kid before my trauma but i did recognize that the world does not like sad people yeah but it loves sad people who are really funny yeah and if you notice most of the comedians that we really enjoy are not the ones that like happy are happy talking about how much fun they had at the beach they're people that are able to take negative or poor situations and put a spin on it that makes us laugh yeah. they're only doing for us what they've been doing internally their whole lives yeah putting a spin on a bad situation yeah yeah and when you think about what value they have to the family and especially to the to the parents they kind of play this role of like relief yep like i like the parents don't have to um i don't want to say don't have to oftentimes they are mitigating the parents' ability to deal with their own emotions. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're all really sad. Instead of processing the sadness, here, come here, little Johnny. <laughs> How about you make us all laugh? Dance for us. Dance, yeah. you know? <laughs> Dance for me. Yeah. yeah, and, like, it's this reality that, like, oftentimes they're not trying to be this comedian just because... You know, they're engaging in this comedic reality because the reality is they've been most affirmed in that, yeah. in their family system. And so it can be hard, like you said, when they exit the family system and they're not valued for that. Or when they exit the family system and they marry someone who wants their emotions validated, but they don't know how to validate emotions other than with humor. Yeah, facts. Did that just come to you randomly? It did. It was oh, it was okay. a spiritual revelation. There's a... spiritual revelation, not personal at all. Okay, yeah, it didn't it didn't seem like it, and I'm I'm struggling <laughs> to figure out where that would even fit in our um, relationship. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> so, um, but no, that like that's real. I have had to work very hard to not discount Kobe's pain, and honestly, there are ways in which I 
I don't want to say I irreparably harmed her because we believe in Jesus, so there's no such thing as irreparable harm, but I really deeply hurt her because, not because I didn't care about her, but yeah. because I tried to love her the way I wanted to be loved. Yeah. And so she would come to me or she there would be situations that were legitimately fearful or deep or painful. Mm-hmm. And I would respond with, if not a joke, I would literally treat her feelings as if they did not matter yeah. because that's what I did with my own. It right. was just like, well, what? Okay. Life sucks. And that's sucks. what love was to you. Yeah. Right? And, and love it was is... genuinely my attempt to love. Yeah. And love, I think love was for you at that time deflecting from your emotions because that's what you did with your own emotions. Yep. So when I brought your emotions, I think for you, it was all right, perfect. She doesn't want to feel this. So let's talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like what I was looking for was like, feel this with me. Yeah. Experience this with me. And that's something that someone who is the mascot can struggle with because they're not feeling their own emotions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's they're going to struggle to go deep with you. So they might be the friend who you bring a hard situation to and they just bring up, make jokes, right? Yep. Um, it makes me kind of think a little bit of Issa and um, Insecure. I don't think she's completely that. But, like, that type of personality, someone who's, like, going to make a joke even when it's he- really uncomfortable. I almost said hella uncomfortable. And is clearly <laughs> always looking for the joke. Yes. Looking for the place Searching. to insert the joke. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, even when the joke does not land, like, not, let me tell you something. 85% of Issa's jokes do not land which is what makes the show so funny yeah it's like you know when she was in the restaurant and condola and um whatchamacallit her ex-boyfriend were there and she's like oh yeah i got my food to go and they're like isa your food's ready for here (laughs) isa food for here and she's literally walks out (laughs) she walks out of the restaurant with their cutlery and their plate they it was hilarious to me um (laughs) Sorry, it's so funny. But anyways, it's one of the situations where, like, it's funny. Like, there's a point where this person can become someone who was being laughed with to someone who's being laughed at. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, this is the sort of person, when you see them in your world, right? Because at the end of all this, we want to create room for empathy for these people that's right we know everyone knows the person at work that is so intent on the joke that they are annoying that you it's hard to even be around them because they're like not a real person yep um i would submit to you that behind almost every laugh is (laughs) almost every laugh is is a tear is is something else especially the people who are committed to comedy those are people who most often are also committed to being numb yep to their own pain yeah and so what you can do for those people is to simply cut through the noise intentionally yeah. not indirectly yeah. because comedians thrive on indirect communication yeah to directly say something like you're really are, sad, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, like you, are you yep. really so intent on not feeling that you're going to make another joke in this situation? Yeah, a word, a word, a word, a word. And I'm only saying that because Cobain, you know, had to say that to I'm, me a I'm lot. I'm like, why, why, why are you laughing? Is this funny to you? <laughs> like, no, it's not funny, but... And it's like, but you chuckled. So explain where the chuckle came from, you know, and... Yeah, and, it's just like, yeah. it, be honest, you don't know how to feel. Yeah, absolutely. So... But, but there's benefits to all of this, right? Yeah. Every there's role, hope for every single role in the yeah. family. Every role has, has its flip side. And what happens when a mascot is healed? A healed mascot, uh, they typically learn to take those assertive skills and they learn how to navigate whether they actually want to help to cheer somebody up. They, they are actually able to learn whether... Well, rather to learn some self-discipline and yeah. some self-worth. Like, yeah. I'm... I'm worth more to the world than me being someone else's Band-Aid. Yeah. So sometimes a healthy mascot is going to disrupt the whole family system by refusing to cover up the wound. With a joke. Yeah. Woo! Yep. By, by the thing happening in the room and everyone turns to that person to make the joke that makes it all okay for us to move past it and they refuse to do so. Yeah. And the family system may not like that. And yeah. they may lose sight or lose value in that family system, but that will be a function of them. Um being intent about their own healing 
they're also going to be able to accept a range of emotions rather than just one. These are people that are now equipped to actually look at all of what is being presented and to approach it in a very clear way. If you notice, comedians are really good at seeing other people's motivations. There's no way to make somebody laugh if you don't understand how they think. Yeah. So people who are mascots, who have this sort of comedic flair, they can turn into really deep, helpful, wise thinkers because they've already got a mind that works to look from someone else's perspective. Perspective. Yep. So these are people that, dare I say, might one day possibly maybe become a therapist in their own right. Yeah. Not just be married to one. And what's amazing is comedy and, and humor are some of the greatest therapeutic tools. That is what I've found. Especially when I am working with people who look like me and people I can personally identify with, humor is this, it's this gentle and personal and intimate way of um, being honest. Yeah. Right? It's this way that I can be like, uh, you know, with my clients who are are struggling with emotional regulation and and, and distraction, I might say, you know, um, if I were in your position, I would have been on my fourth Twinkie, you know, and they'll like chuckle and then they'll say, yeah, you know, I did have a couple drinks and I'll say, well, tell me how much, you know, like Mm -hmm. what, what, you know, and we'll go into that. Um, But I think that there, it's not about comedy being bad and not comedy, but humor being bad rather because comedy is a profession. But um, it's not about humor being bad. It's about how it's used. And I think Mm. that sometimes um, people who are healthy, the healthy mascot um, becomes the person who is like almost like this, this emotional savant. Like they they become like this person with just immense insight um, as they heal. But it's about figuring out how to feel and figuring out how to experience a sense of self-worth that isn't at the will of other people. Yeah, that doesn't turn you into a slave to other people's comfort. Yep. Um, but rather is an affirmation of a God-given talent and privilege to be able to see things through a different lens. And oftentimes, again, you know, that does come from trauma. And if yeah. you listen to our trauma series, you know trauma isn't just getting your leg blown off in Iraq. That that is horrifying. Yeah, trauma can be um, a series of events that just made you feel a certain way. It could be yeah. someone saying something to you yeah. at seven years old that never left, yeah. or someone specifically not saying. Yeah. you know, it could be the person that didn't hear "I love you" till they were twelve. That's yeah. real trauma. Yeah, right. So, um, as we go through this, and gosh. There's a lot of mascot, a lot of um, lost child syndrome, and this is us, and y'all gonna get to hear it if you join the Inner Circle Patreon. Yeah. Um, but we want to make sure that as we look to be light in this world, as we look to love our neighbor, mm. as we look to love ourselves, yeah. that we do it with a sense of understanding and yeah. empathy. Yeah. So as you see the mascot in your world, the person in the office who is the boss's pet, mm. <laughs> um, the person Sorry. in your family who is the brown nosing or the suck up or mom and dad's favorite, yeah. and, and you view them with a sense of like bitterness or I wish I had that or yeah. they you know, they got it all figured out or they have everything. Remember that very often that that desire to be needed, that desire to find a safe space, even at the extent of not being treated like a real human being, that is the result of pain. Yeah, yeah. And so we have to be intentional about when when we see pain that we do not demonize pain. Mm. We can demonize wrong actions yeah Yeah, we can you know we can we can always we can always deal with symptoms but you you cannot legislate you cannot beat an actual disease you know you have to treat a disease you can deal with the symptoms and the symptoms need to be addressed in those people but we need to understand that as we say hey like why are you always making jokes instead of just saying i hate you you're always making jokes we notice what the disease is yeah what are you covering up? Like, and let's talk. And we speak to the child inside of it. Yeah. Because all of this begins in our childhood. Yeah. Right? And if you can't empathize with yourself as a child, it's going to be really hard for you to take hold of these redemptive parts of these roles. Yeah. Right? So 
for many of us, we're going to have to look at the child who found laughter as safety. Yeah. Right? And remember that even if we're speaking to a 35-year-old, there's still a child that is stunted in its development that needs to hear words that it's safe to feel. Yeah. And you won't be punished for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, y'all, thank you for holding on with us, for listening. We are so appreciative of you guys taking the time to learn and grow with us. Um, I don't know about you, but before we record these episodes, Kyle and I talk about how this stuff applies to our own lives. And um, it's work. And it's work that no one should be doing alone. And it's an awesome reason why you guys should join our Patreon, the Inner Circle. There are people who are going through these guided meditations every single month, who are going through these resources that we're creating And as they're going through all of this stuff, they are people who are working together. We're literally in the discord, telling each other what's going on in our lives, praying for each other, lifting each other before the Lord, holding each other accountable with our mental health and our emotional wellness. So if you need a team of people to walk with, we got you. For real. And, you know, I think what Kabe is really saying is that it's super important to protect your peace. A merch, <laughs> merch. Protect your peace is um, our first merch line. Um, you'll you'll get the link in the show notes. Um, check it out. I think it's pretty dope, and I'm a hater. I've been hating since '92. So my daddy was a hater. His daddy was a hater. Girl, it's in my blood. I cannot Sorry. With you. Um, but yeah, we we love you. We we thank you for listening, and um, happy healing. Happy healing until the struggle comes back around. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps people figure out who we are and what we're doing and gets the podcast out to a wider audience. Also, we have just launched a Patreon. In that, you'll have access to guided meditations, spiritual discipline sessions, even some live Q&As about mental health. And most importantly, you actually get first dibs to merch. Um, If you've ever looked at our website, uh, you'll see a Protect Your Peace hoodie. That'll be dropping soon. So visit the show notes and join the family.